Thank you. Right. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stat 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now. I'll have my revenge and Deathstalker, too. Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator. How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please. By definition alone, there are fewer films. Uh, hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to Inside the Sequel, the podcast where we go out and talk about sequel movies that may or may not get enough love or attention, or um, you just kind of forget to talk about. Um, and you, it, it's home. It's housed all right here. And I'm your host, Chris, as always. And um, for today's episode, um, it's going to be as toxic as it comes due to my guest, me being the host, and just the filmmaker in the movie we'll be talking about today. We are talking about Michael Bay's uh, Transformers 3, uh, Dark of the Moon. Years from now, they're going to ask us, where were you when they took over the planet? You're going to be fine, I promise. Now, this movie came out in 2011, and uh, it was brought to my attention that this movie needed a revisit from my adolescent days due to um, a podcast guest that I've been wanting and I've been told, and I think even held at gunpoint at one point, um, to have on my show. And of course, you know, in my nature, um, when people tell me to do things, I tend to not want to do them. Um, and I, deep, I feel like I'm going to deeply regret not doing this sooner. But uh, today's guest, I have the incredibly handsome and also the most POS to make me watch these movies guest I've had. And I'm so excited to have him on. And that is Mark Warner. Mark, how are you, guy? I'm doing good. I didn't make you watch these movies. I made you watch part three. You chose to watch the first two. That's on you. And also, you're not holding me at gunpoint. Deep down in the back of my head, I've always been like, God, I hope Chris asks me to be on someday. I'm not the type that like asks to be on podcast. I uh, I feel a little rude doing that. So like the second you messaged me, I was just like, yes. And well, one more thing I will say uh, in my defense, I gave you a long list of sequels to pick from to discuss with me um several of which i'm sure are more reputable than this and i gave you the option and you chose this so i'm all about uh transparency here and oh, exposing me 
<laughs> well, Mark, I am so excited to have you on, my man. Um, whether it was because you still have Hubie Halloween as your profile picture on Twitter, or if it was because I listened to that wonderful podcast episode that you were on with Matt Bledsoe and um, on uh, the Film Feast, um, and you were with Ken, of course, Ken Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, shout him out. Um, miss him. Uh, <laughs> I love that episode where you guys talked about Suicide Squad. Um, Jesus Christ, you are fat. That just dropped. You are fast. Uh, buddy, you know, I just, I find the time for my guy. I got to do the research, you know, and um, that is, that is true. I don't blame you there. Well, <laughs> I'm happy you enjoyed the episode. I mean, as Matt will tell you, I'm very self-critical. I always feel like I do terribly on these podcasts. So, oh, you I too, am, hey? Yes. Yes. You're not alone there. So I'm happy to have a fan. Yeah. You were really like off the mic, really gushing about being on this podcast. And I can't for the life of me believe that somebody actually <laughs> wanted to be on here. Um, you know, that I didn't know as a first time guest, I feel like I lay the groundwork with a lot of first time guests and it's almost like a courtesy, but you were actually like, Oh, I love wasting my life and my time listening to this podcast. And I love how you <laughs> get pub, like you get publicly intoxicated and record and, and um, I was trying to think of another thing you were saying. Oh, you were like wanting to see if I was wearing pants, which, you know, I think you saw the pants are on today. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes. Uh, Chris got up to turn on his AC earlier. And I've always been curious if the rumors are true as to whether he does not wear pants while recording. They might be true, but not tonight. They're not. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Oh man, you know, I love how that, that, uh, that just kind of became a thing. Um, <laughs> uh, but I got to ask Mark, um, you've been, being on, you've been on a couple podcasts and stuff and, uh, it seems like you kind of have like a niche of like what you like to watch, which I really appreciate. Um, you like the, you like the movies that like kind of embody this podcast, you know, the movies we kind of forget are out there. Um, and you kind of stand them. I'm all about, um, gatekeeping of course on this podcast oh there's um, gonna be some gatekeeping <laughs> and i gotta ask so you're on this podcast for the first time and every new guest i gotta ask do you like sequel movies or are you just pretending just so you can be on here to roast me <laughs> uh no i mean i could turn the computer and show you my uh movie collection right now i haven't done like the exact numbers but i'd say roughly a third of what i own are sequels nice uh, I, I love sequel. Even if a movie doesn't deserve a sequel, if it's a sequel to the movie I love, I will get excited and go watch it. And I don't really subscribe to the sequels are never good philosophy. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. I, I, there are a lot of sequels that I love and would rank among my favorite movies. Yeah. Usually when people don't fuck with sequels, I just assume they're just not movie fans, you know, like if you don't really like sequels, do you really care about cinema, you know, like what the fuck? Sorry. Just get off the handle there. Um. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I mean, I do the same thing whenever I hear anyone dog sequels, which I thought was an antiquated argument, but every now and then there's still someone who's like, ah, why do we get sequels? And then of course they go to see it just so they can uh, talk shit about it. Yeah, I, I don't know what where the hate for sequels or like, oh, the sequel's always bad came from. Um, I have a feeling it starts with the horror genre, which I hold near and dear to my heart. I'm pretty sure it starts with the Star Wars genre. 
Oh, dude, I don't call them by episodes. I call them by their names because episode four is actually just called Star Wars. And then later given four. <laughs> you know, if you don't know about movie history, there you go. Enlighten me. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm so mean today. I'm sorry. It must be because I'm drinking wine out of a mug glass. Uh, I encourage it. All right. I have a... Um... I have a strong tolerance for uh, people being mean to me. That's a lie. I'm a I'm a little uh, snowflake. I just shatter at the slightest ego crack, which is weird because I'm pretty sure Twitter's sometimes with movie opinions like bring back bullying, you know, because that take is too hot and they can't handle it. Oh man, I love uh, I love seeing uh, hot takes tweeted into my feed. I see a lot of people are just like, just don't tweet that into my feed. I'm just like, bring it. I love it. Yeah, I don't know how I get so much Criterion news on my Twitter feeds. That shit be really pissing me off, guy. Especially the uncut gems. That's right. I heard the Scary Movie 2 episode. <sighs> I just got rid of my uncut gems Blu-ray in preparation for this upcoming Criterion release. <laughs> oh, that God. Was, granted, that was partially so I could uh, get rid of something else while moving, so I'd have uh, one fewer Blu-ray to move, because I guess that save me some space i don't know yeah i own uncut gems for one i don't even know why i own it um yeah that's a pretty lazy cover eh just like uh the new citizen kane um racist k letter on its cover right is um, that the citizen kane cover i only saw like a brief little uh i've been working all day so i really didn't get too much of a chance to browse twitter yeah, us virgins who pay attention to Blu-ray boutique label releases, we, we, we get on that real real quick. And when I saw a Criterion tweet, I rushed to it so I could already, like, you know, get mad about it. And uh, when I saw it, I was like, good Lord, they did it again. They got, they, they, they just, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Criterion covers. I like reversible covers, actually. Um, so that's See, why Arrow has my heart. You know? My favorite, yeah, Arrow and Scream Factory Collector's Editions are my favorites. The one where you get the slip cover and then the one that slips out so you can reverse it so you have both covers. That's my ideal. See, I've remained lonely in a virgin because I <laughs> I obsess over slip covers, you know? It's like, I, I can't hang out. I'm, I'm eBay searching for slip covers right now. I'm sorry. I can't take you out. I'm my money's mm. locked in on slip covers. I've remained lonely and I've got the mentality of a virgin because I'm a Michael Bay defender. <laughs> oh, so I, I sympathize. Oh yeah, dude. There's nothing that turns a woman away when you tell them, Oh, you know, I really like uncut gems, Michael Bay films and the green Knight. Those three <laughs> things will guarantee you permanent loneliness. I will, I'll get back to you on the green night. I still, I haven't been in the mood to go watch it lately. Cause I mean, in the, the stress of moving, like I have just wanted simple entertainment or simple movies that I can easily follow. I'm not, I am not down for something. Uh, what's the word I'm working for? Surreal and cerebral. And that I have to think about. Um, I think you can watch green night and watch it and not think, and you'll probably get as much out of it as actually doing that too. Oh my god, my friend Hayden. My friend Hayden is gonna listen to this podcast, and he's gonna immediately turn it off after hearing that. Sorry, Hayden. He's got, obviously he's, these are not my opinions. He he must really be a big fan of this podcast. I think more than fifty percent of our listeners are haters who are waiting to hear me can't get canceled. Like they're like, is he gonna trip up this time? Is he gonna slip? Or the other half <laughs> is um, friends who feel so bad they have to support the podcast. 
<laughs> I um that I don't I don't know why people don't get more joy. If you feel that people don't get joy out of your podcast, I don't know why. I love it. It gives me life as I drive a delivery van for a living. This whole circle of podcasts that you guys got, fucking um, Film Feast, Cobwebs, The Terror Table, Schlockin' Off. Like I started with Film Feast and slowly worked my way outward. And it's just like, it's just, you guys are a delightful bunch and you keep me alive. You keep me sane as I, uh, <laughs> yeah, as I just throw packages at doorsteps. I'm kidding, Amazon. I walk up and I place them on the doorsteps. I'm not trying to damage packages. I know you listen to everything. <laughs> I really wanted you on here. Um, as soon as you said you, you know, before we started, you were like, oh yeah, Amazon, this. And I'm like thinking, man, maybe Jeff Bezos will buy me out. That would be improvement for the podcast. I got a, uh, I got a few more notches to climb before I think Jeff Bezos is even aware of me, but um, I'll do my best. I'll put in a good word to the person who will put in a good word to the person who will put in a good word to Bezos. Mm -hmm. It's odd. You said you started with Film Feast and then Cobwebs and Schlock and all these significantly greater podcasts. And then you land on here. That's normally it's opposite for a lot of people. Saving the best for last, perhaps. Good I'm, God. Not picking, I'm not picking favorites, guys. But I will, <laughs> you guys do a lot of crossovers like the... Um, Oh God, the fantasy Oscars was probably one of the like, that, that was one of the greatest series. Like, especially as I'm like, I remember exactly where I was. Like people are like, do you remember where you were for 9-11? Do you remember where you were when Obama got elected? I remember where I was when I was listening to all three fantasy Oscar specials. <laughs> oh man, that was like, I, I don't even know how do you put that into words, you know, that, that whole experience. Um, I think it was well, the last time I was ever happy um, there, was when we did that. And there's a controversial move you made that gets mentioned on multiple <laughs> podcasts, deservedly so, but for the wrong reasons. And it's perfect that we bring this up because uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon was written by a gentleman named Aaron Kruger. And Aaron Kruger also wrote a little movie called ghost in the shell <laughs> i think he did you know I've, I've been meaning to go back and double check and hope that my memory is not leading me astray on that but i'm 99 sure that he wrote that and i hit now granted i have not seen the original anime i'm not a huge anime guy i'm trying to be but i'm not so i only watched the uh re i only watched the live action remake mm -hmm. i fucking love that movie fuck yeah I love Ghost in the Shell. And while I will say I don't like it as much as The Last Jedi, which is one of my favorite movies of the past decade, mm -hmm. I do feel like The Last Decade, uh, The Last Decade, uh, The Last Jedi gets its due. So when you opted to nominate Ghost in the Shell instead of Last Jedi, I threw my fucking fist in the air <laughs> in celebration because I was just like, holy shit, I did not see that coming. And I feel seen as a fan of Ghost in the Shell. It, yeah, you know, that that makes me very happy to know that there was someone on my side on that because I'm pretty sure my relationship with those two fellers are like stained forever. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely seems that way how often it gets brought up. 
Also, and, I, I just realized that I'm. I real. I realized that I admitted I'm a fan of the whitewashed Scarlett Johansson movie and Michael Bay. <laughs> like, I am I the most problematic guest you've had on? Uh, with the whole ghost of the shell thing, um, people accuse me of doing that for clout, and when I mean that, it's like myself created haters. And uh, no, I totally still stand by it, and uh, I'm glad somebody enjoyed that. Um, I think I cemented my place in the group chat that I'm a part of when I made that call and um, I've been exiled. And uh, well, I was gracious. I was graciously invited to join that group chat. And uh, whenever you pop in every now and then, I'm just like, there he is. That's my boy, Chris. Oh, so you notice that I, that I, I take an absence and then I'll pop in from time to time. Good. I'm glad somebody actually caught that. You definitely, I feel like, yeah. Uh, you don't chime in that much. I feel like I don't chime in too much either, though that's partially because I had to delete Discord from my phone because it's a <laughs> shitty phone with little memory. So I can only like chime in whenever I check my computer, which is not too often. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I uh, whenever you chime in, it's usually a very it's usually very entertaining, and I'm grateful for it. Good. I figure the only way I can entertain is by you know limiting myself to people so (laughs) (laughs) but uh aside from all that i think everyone's got the background info on mark and like you know we're finally coming together um to do this episode but it's been a long time coming um and it can't stop coming and i'm thinking about coming and uh (laughs) shrek and smash mouth with that lyric uh (laughs) that's this podcast i guess um but we're talking that reference (laughs) So you, we're going to be talking about Transformers three, um, which I think I don't think Fuck we've done yeah. a, I don't think we've done a third in a series before. Oh, I may be first? wrong. Oh wait, well, oh, we did Godfather three with Lindsay um, for a Christmas special. That so there's Gosh. that one. I gotta go back and listen. I'm I'm not like if I'm if I don't remember a movie too well or if I haven't seen it, I'm a little more hesitant to listen to that episode, but. From what I remember of Godfather 3, I love that movie. And I actually need to go back and rewatch that. And then I need to go listen to that podcast because I'm sure it's great. Well, it was it, it dropped on Christmas Day. And, um, you know, I know, yeah. I know for some people that's taboo. But for me, that felt just right for this podcast. You know, like Christmas with your family, you know, religious holiday for there some. There are giant chunks of Christmas where I'm sitting around doing nothing. And right? I need something doing that time. So right, I was like, "What better for people to do than tune in and listen to my dumb ass with an awesome guest like Lindsay talking about a controversial sequel on Christmas Day?" I mean, I can't think of anything. I mean, goddamn. I mean, the the things that Christmas Day is saved for: Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> The Hateful Eight, Chris Furtado. Yeah, if only I got like pissed drunk on that one. So then it could feel like the drunk uncle at a Christmas party, you know? <laughs> I, I think in a way it you know, it symbolically represented that already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm really excited for today's episode, Mark. Uh, aside from all the, the fun we're having, I am really excited to talk about this one because I have watched all three, first of those three Transformers movies. Now, I couldn't, get yeah, to aren't watch. you glad aren't you glad that you that um i suggested this one and the fifth one and aren't you glad that you that you didn't pick the fifth one <laughs> you only had to watch three of them you didn't have to watch five of them six if you count bumblebee oh <laughs> the only one people seem to like 
Yeah, I'm glad I chose like to limit myself to the first three because like from what I gather um, and have read, those other two after the third one, they feel like different from the other three. So it feels like it's like the end of like a, a trilogy and then it's the start of a new one if we ever even get a third one. I guess we won't because Bumblebee came out by itself. The, uh, I I am heartbroken that we're not getting a follow up to the last night because that ends with a little sequel tease that I'm just like, oh shit! I want to see what the follows that up, but um, yeah, we're not gonna get that. So do you fuck with the Transformers like the Hasbro toys? Not really. I mean, I might have played with them a couple times when I was younger, but my love mostly stems from the uh, Michael Bay films. Good, because I'm like. I've yet to meet a human being who's like transformers robots in disguise is like, they fuck with that. in like the eighties. You know, I watched Gundam growing up more, and I guess it Gundam, Mobile Suit Gundam is kind of like the anime version of Transformers, but at least a lot cooler. I don't know. I put Transformers, Hasbro Toys, and the cartoon show. I put that in like fucking like Rescue Rangers and like G.I. Joe, where it's like that shit's not cool to me and it's boring and it's old, you know? And uh, that, so I kind of, you know, I brushed off Transformers growing up. Um, I don't know what toys you played with, um, but that was my mindset there. And uh, I always fucked with things like He-Man, you know, um, a lot of like 90s cartoon shows, obviously. Um, but yeah, Transformers was a weird one for me. Yeah, no, I... Um... I, th- I think I was just not too aware of it. Like I might've heard of the toys, but um, never really got around to playing with them that much. Had no awareness of the cartoon until I was far too old. Most of what <laughs> I watched when I was younger was like, I pretty much, I only watched Cartoon Network. I didn't watch Nickelodeon or Disney, mainly because I was just too bu- too lazy to channel surf. I just had my <laughs> channel and I stuck to it. So I watched whatever was on there. Hanna-Barbera, Looney Tunes, uh, Toonami, Sailor Moon, and Dragon Ball Z were my two favorites, I think. Hell yeah. You give me me pretending to be asleep and sneak into my living room and watch Adult Swim vibes. (laughs) On the the only show that I used to watch on Adult Swim was uh, Home Movies. And yeah, that's one I kind of had to sneakily watch, but it wasn't a regular watch. But I mean, modern day Mark, Aqua Teen Hunger Force is one of my all-time favorite shows. Hell yeah, dude. That's like with me and Robot. I've had a renaissance resurgence with Robot Chicken in my, since from 24 to 25, I've been watching that shit lately. And yeah, I'm 25 and I'm doing this. I'm a fucking loser. I know, but I fucking love watching Robot Chicken and like falling asleep to it. Or sometimes when I get sad, I just like make chicken tenders and make uh, alcoholic beverage that's too strong and start watching robot chicken and then fall asleep on the couch normally with a plate in my lap and lounged over yeah that's a good night 
I'm 31 years old and my habits aren't that different, so I'm a lot sadder. I need to I need to start watching Robot Chicken. I never really got into that, but I feel like I would like it if I uh, watched it. I have a uh, I have a very stupid sense of humor, <laughs> which probably ties in partially to my love of the Transformers movies because these movies also have a very stupid sense of humor, especially this one. We'll get into that. Oh my god! Yeah, we got to talk about um, Michael Bay. Are you a big Bayer? Is that what the uh, fans of he, him are called? Or are they just called um, Chads and Toxic Masculinity? I can't remember. I believe they are <laughs> called Cancelled. <laughs> no, I uh, I am 100% a Bay fan. Uh, warts and all, I understand he's a, his movies are problematic, but God damn it, do I love him. Like, I... I would definitely consider, I, I think I would secretly low-key place him on my top 10 favorite directors. His uh, movies are like, even if they're not the best movies, like they are some of the most enjoyable movies I've ever seen. Like they're oftentimes movies that I throw on in the background when I have household work to do. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, they are, I, it's just there's I mean there's so much that I can get into for my love of him but it mainly just comes down to like the way he I mean I just love the way he shoots he just has this great eye for compositions and editing and oh my god I, I'm, I'm getting lost like I'm just like word vomiting praise for Michael Bay without yeah. like hey, why, into... why are you taking your shirt and your pants off right now while talking about Michael Bay well, because, I mean, have you seen Michael Bay movies? I'm thinking of Michael Bay movies. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Well, keep it Speaking on. Speaking of which, I've got uh, Transformers 3 playing on mute on my TV right now. That's the, <laughs> thing, that's the thing I've taken up. Whenever I'm recording a podcast, I'll have the movie or a movie related to it playing on my TV in case there's something that I forget to mention. And it pops <laughs> up on screen like, oh, shit, I've got to talk about that. But uh, no, basically, I love the way he shoots. I love, I just love the way his movies look. Um, he gets a lot of shit for, uh, you know, really quick cutting and you can't really see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's the case if you're not paying attention. And I will admit, I've watched a lot of his movies in the back. Like, I've seen Transformers 3 a lot, but I tend to play it as a background movie. So sometimes I'll look at the screen and I'll like, wait, how did we get here? But when I watched it for this podcast, I tried my best to pay full attention. And like, <laughs> it really, it's, it's very easy to see what's going on in his movies. If you just pay a little attention, you can see like how the shots interconnect. You can see how the editing is actually pretty uh, precise, pristine, and there is no confusion in the way that his uh, movies are composed. I feel at least personally I might get some flack on that, but um, I did not agree to record a podcast on Transformers 3 if I wasn't agreeing to at least a little flack. Yeah, with Michael Bay, I am I am not like, I am not the most educated in Michael Bay's movies. Like I haven't seen a lot. I've seen Bad Boys 1 and 2, the Transformers movies, and parts of seen, Pearl uh, Harbor. Armageddon and The Rock, which were both put out on Criterion. No, I I haven't seen those two. Um, and uh, just because it's on Criterion, it doesn't mean it's good. And I'm saying that now for people listening, you know. Well, for, for those, it does. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm not the biggest like 
you know, Michael Bay fan, not because I'm like, Bleh. like he's not a good filmmaker or, or like, Bleh. like, you know, he's canceled. Well, I mean, he, he, ha- he has something about him that makes me worrisome, but I watch Woody Allen movies. Um, so like, I mean, I'm not perfect either, but, um, I will say, I remember even growing up, I knew what the Michael Bay, um, isms were, you know, like the big explosion, slow-mos, um, lots of action, humor revolved around action, um, very bravado men in the movies, um, and Transformers is kind of like the first one, I would say, which came out in 2007, um, yes. which is crazy when I think about it. It feels like it's more recent, but it came out in 2007. And I oh, mean, see, that movie feels like ages ago to me already. But <laughs> I mean, that's partially because I was in high school when it came out and I've already been out of college for 10 years. So, of course, that's going to feel like a long time. <laughs> well, when you think about like properties that were like, I hate using the term nerdy, you know, like geeky and now imbued in pop culture, um, like comic book movies, um, you know, remakes of things from that were cool in the eighties, you know, and like now you get toys, you know, you get Transformers 2007 and uh, it feels so different to what I feel like what was coming out around that time. And um, I love Shia LaBeouf and, you know, it was like a big coming out conform because he did that and Disturbia as well. And that made a lot of money. And um, you get Megan Fox on there who, you know, was just blowing up as a star herself. Um, and for me, the big thing about Transformers, and it's weird, it goes hand in hand. I've always associated the Transformer movies with Linkin Park and like just really cool, quote unquote, butt rock in the late 2000s, which I have a soft spot for that genre. Um, and I do like Linkin Park, but that Transformers movie is iconic for those things. But when I rewatch it now, and even then, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like it's like, it is a little dated. (laughs) I I mean, I will, I'm the Michael Bay fan. I will 100% agree with you. Although it is funny you say that because like the first Transformers, especially is kind of a big like Amblin 80s somewhat throwback in like its story structure because it's all about a kid and a Zaylin. You know, it's E.T. It's this uh, young kid going on an adventure with yeah. a weird friend. Like it's very, it's a very 80s story type. And in the past few years, thanks to Stranger Things, like that's become the norm. Mm-hmm. That's become like the go-to pop culture story archetype. And Transformers definitely came out at a time when that wasn't the norm. So it felt a lot fresher back then. But the series has come full circle in that Bumblebee, which was the latest one, reverted to the kid and their alien story. And that came out at a time when that was the norm. So Mm -hmm. it felt a lot of people think Bumblebee is the best one, mainly because it's not directed by Michael Bay. I like Bumblebee, but... I definitely, I would not rank it as the best. And that's partially because it does feel a little like it's just kind of copying the trends of the time in uh, taking that structure. Yeah, Transformers, the first one, it feels it, it feels when I watch it, it feels like I'm eating Doritos and chugging Mountain Dew and Red Bull and like downloading illegally music from Snapster, all infused <laughs> with like Axe body spray and like you know, 
hitting on girls in my school and just getting rejected all the time because that's what happened but like that is all that is the michael bay experience like that is the perfect description of a michael (laughs) bay film it's like i don't know like i said we said before i'm not like the biggest infused of like transformers but i do remember transformers being fucking you know wild in like it's power rangers in space with mech robots and um I knew who Optimus Prime was and like Starscream and Megatron. Um, But my God, this movie is like, has none of that from the eighties and the nineties feel. And this feels like a military movie mixed in with a weird teen coming of age movie that gets a little too 16 candles creepy (laughs) for someone like Michael Bay. Um, and like, I'm not trying to badge it, but I'm just like, I was like chuckling, chuckling and to myself and be like, oh my fucking God, like we are, he owns this man. Like we're really going through all this shit in this movie. Well, like what explains why it's two and a half hours long, which is my biggest thing about it. Oh, that's not, no, the first one's not too, the first one gets close, but I think it tops out at like two hours, maybe 20 minutes, a little longer than that. Dark, uh, no, not even Dark of the Moon, Age of Extinction almost reaches like two hours and 40 minutes. Like yeah. when I saw that in theaters, if you take trailers into account, that was <laughs> almost a three hour experience. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, and I will admit, the first, I've watched all the Transformers movies within the past month. I actually had, my 4th of July was fucking depressing. <laughs> I kind of just uh bolted myself in my room at the house i was currently living at and did a lot of cleaning and i just had a little transformers marathon i did three through five and then later in the month i watched part two uh while i was doing some more packing before moving so i have watched all of them recently a true god among men in cinema this man um i I, the only one the only one I didn't watch was the first one because <laughs> God, I've watched that first one so many times over the yeah. years. When I like I saw it twice in theaters when that DVD came out. I watched that DVD countless times. <laughs> and then I got the Blu-ray and I watched that Blu-ray countless times. So when I was doing this rewatch, I was mainly just focused on the sequels. So it's been a little while since I've seen the first one. But I'm curious mm-hmm. which parts of that kind of struck you as creepy. Because the first one feels almost like the most innocent of them. <laughs> I think it's because Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox are supposed to be 11th graders. <laughs> and it's all about, you know, th- his parents concerned with like his masturbation schedule and then being happy that he's getting laid. And then... I mean, also. That's it. He's a junior in high school. It's honestly kind of a healthy portrayal of parents that they are open to their child having sex. Jesus Christ, that was a fucking tangent. You know what's crazy though? All four, the first four of these movies made so much fucking money. Oh dear God, they did. Did would, no one? I think. I mean, Grant, I, I didn't pay too much attention to box office when I was in high school, but I don't think anyone expected that first movie to be as big as it was. Oh my God, no, it was so big. Like, like I think that was the second or third highest grossing movie of that year. And like that movie was, uh, was definitely a pop culture touchstone of that year. Yeah, I, I don't know. The first movie, it's so, it's so weird. I can't describe the first Transformers movie in like, 
I will say it has an iconic ending with the Lincoln Park um, song ending, which is I another. Would, which I is a trend in these that movies. Song. Yeah, I would start singing that song, but I don't want to like violate copyright for you and get you sued by uh, whoever holds the rights to the Lincoln Park music. But <laughs> no, and that's another reason it's kind of good you stopped watching it three because the end song for part four is by Imagine Dragons, <laughs> which it's an awesome fucking song. And I would actually rank it above maybe one or two of the Lincoln Park songs. But if you're like, if you're a Lincoln Park guy, that's probably going to be a disappointment for you. Yeah. Lincoln Park's cool than Imagine Dragon in my, in my opinion. Um, and overall I would agree, but still battle yeah. cry. That's the name of the song in part four. It's pretty cool, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Transformers, the first one, you know, it is a nostalgic trip. There's some things that do not age very well there. Um, honestly if not for the sequel that was a pretty well-regarded movie when it came out too like i don't know if it, it was got like positive it, i don't know if it like everyone loved it but it definitely got i think it's positive on the tomato meter or it's in the 50s and it, it would have probably got a criterion release for sure oh man i'd love <laughs> to live in that world yeah if not for the sequels i feel like that would be a well-regarded movie even still if it's a little more problematic and dated i feel like people would still look back in that and be like that was a good movie yeah and that first transformers um i couldn't help but compare it to um small soldiers uh from joe dante <laughs> and it's i think it's because the same actor who plays the dad in transformers as well as in small soldiers is oh in god movies. kevin dunn i yeah. love kevin dunn he is He's a, uh, so sweet, but I also am terrified of ever doing anything wrong in his house. I don't, he seems pretty chill in the Transformers movies. He seems a little stricter in Small Soldiers. But I think it's I just think it's hilarious that you think of Small Soldiers, which is a movie that's very like anti like I don't want to say anti-American, but anti-military, anti-war, anti-violence in the media and how that's portrayed. With Transformers, which is the very kind of movie that Small Soldiers is making fun of, I think the U.S. military enlistment list increased with the release of Transformers. Uh, oh yeah, these movies got. Th that's the funny thing about these movies that literally all of them, except for Part Four and Bumblebee, are about like the climax heavily features the U.S. military fighting alongside the Autobots. It's like the U.S. military are the only ones worthy to fight alongside these warriors. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a fucking sucker for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm a sucker for jingoistic movies. It's just, uh, I mean, I, I hope your listeners don't think I'm a fucking trumper when I say that. Just no. Talking no. strictly in terms of movies. Like, I'm pretty there's sure the something... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, there's something about that sensibility in movies that works. I'm also a... Uh, big peter berg fan as i think i've discussed on <laughs> film feast and even more than michael bay peter berg is like the big raw raw america fuck yeah guy like michael bay that's mainly his movies i feel like he's a little more ch i feel like he would be a little more chill in real life like i've heard megan fox and scarlett johansson kind of just describe him as a nerd peter berg is very much like one of those people that would be portrayed in one of these movies in real life i would imagine <laughs> Well, 
I feel like the people who really like Transformers when it first came out were the same kids who would like go up to the Marines and mil- in U.S. Army recruiters in our like cafeteria and like do push-ups in front of them to like <laughs> get the invite to get enlisted. And then I'm pretty sure Megan Fox described Michael Bay as a literal Hitler on set. And that's why she's not featured in the third movie. So um, I don't know the specifics of her not being featured in the third movie. That's the story that went around is that she referred to Michael Bay as Hitler and Steven Spielberg ordered that she got fired because of that. But I've also heard that she just like her heart wasn't in it as much anymore. Like, I mean, Michael Bay is an exhausting guy to work for. And these are exhausting movies to make. And I think after two of them, she might have just been fed up. <laughs> and Michael Bay could sense that he was just not having that in someone he worked with. I meant to do a little more research on it before I started recording because I wanted to have the definitive answer. This is it, why Megan Fox wasn't in this movie, but I've been working and moving nonstop. So I did not have nearly <laughs> as much time to do all the research I want. I come onto these podcasts, I treat them like school assignments. Like mm-hmm. I want to come on prepared. I want to know my shit. Right. Right. This movie. But I think I feel like for no reason at all, people are like, why the fuck did Chris say small soldier transformers are really good. The reason I thought that just before we move on was because both movies feature um, a kid in high school who has a huge crush on the cool girl in her, in his school. And he befriends something that's in hiding, whether it's a toy in this case, it's a car, um, which is based on toys. Um, and he's hiding the fact that there's something wrong with them from his parents and from the girl, but then the girl finds out and is cool with it. But the, the, the thing that they're hiding has a nemesis, whether it's, um, the commando elites or the Decepticons and the, uh, then the family gets brought in and then, um, you get some sort of government agency that chimes in on it as well. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I got that kind of comparison. Um, and like the, the rivalry between Optimus Prime and Megatron feels like Major Chip Hazard and um, um, Archer. Um, but that's where it ends. I think Small Soldiers is a better movie, of course, but they also feature the same actor in it. Um, whew, oh, I'm actually, glad I defended myself there for no reason. <laughs> I mean, that actually, that does make perfect sense. And I mean, Joe Dante is probably one of the most Spielbergian directors outside of Spielberg. God, I mean, that's such a good way to put it. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously a lot darker, but I mean, he came up under Spielberg, like uh, Gremlins and Gremlins too. I mean, I guess technically Small Soldiers was uh, Spielberg because that was one of the first DreamWorks movies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's he's definitely got those same sensibilities and he kind of tells those same uh Amblin-esque stories about kids in suburbia and Mm. yeah it's that's that is very much like transformers i mean transformers is probably to some extent somewhat influenced by joe dante probably and i'm pretty sure joe dante is disgusted at that (laughs) because joe dante is the anti-michael bay yeah and one thing that Michael Bay does with all three of these movies is he adds some similarities to all of them, but like changes the story's villain and like the cause to action. So like, you know, we get the first movie, um, pretty simple. Autobots are there because the Decepticons are there and they want to help humans. We get that. Second movie, Revenge of the Fallen, different premise because of the villain. Um, but, you know, same bad guys are there. And each movie, up to the third one at least, um, the U.S. government 
always wants to shut down the Autobots, even though they're helping them as time goes by. In each movie, it's like, we're going to shut down the Autobots. And then the military boys get turned, pulled into it. And then Shia LaBeouf finds out things before the government and they won't listen to them. Um, I would say Revenge of the Fallen, the second movie, is the least, str- like, it's my least favorite. And I think it's the worst of the three. Um, it's, and it's the also- worst of the- I would say it's the worst of the six because I've seen all of them. And uh, <laughs> I will say, I actually, I do kind I have a soft spot for that movie just because it, uh, well, first off, it's a Michael Bay film and there's not a single Michael Bay film I dislike. Uh, Jesus Christ, I'm getting myself canceled here. <laughs> the, but um, there's a lot of isms also, in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a lot. I will fully, I fully admit that Transformers Revenge of the Fallen is problematic as shit. But there are a lot of elements to that movie that I still enjoy. And also, it came out the summer that I went to college. And it's about Sam going to college. Mm-hmm. And so I'm definitely, I'm very nostalgic for the uh, my first year of college and that summer leading up to it. And uh, that movie like just kind of ties into that perfectly whenever I watch it since he was going to college too. Um, yeah, the Sam Witwicky thing in the second one is not as strong as the in the first or the third one like sam actually annoys me a lot in that movie uh um, well let's let's talk i mean we gotta we, we we gotta get to the third one eventually because i <laughs> i will say i have a tendency to go on for long times on podcasts like my previous two film feast appearances were like all bordered on three hours and i'm trying to control myself and like keep myself a little more focused so don't want to I, I mean, I don't know if you, if you, I don't want to, I also don't want to like overstay my welcome. Like, no, I know. never, never. I will say Revenge of the Fall and I don't have much desire to talk much about because I don't think it is a very strong movie and you can well, get to the third movie without, I think, really watching the second one, which is kind of nice. I think Michael Bay knew that. I will say one thing about the second one though. So that actually was produced during the writer's strike, the writer's guild strike of 07. And I meant to do a little more research on this because I wanted to uh, like, I wanted to know more about like where they were coming from with the third one, but because of that, they had limited amount of time with the script. So a lot of it was kind of quote unquote written by Michael (laughs) Bay, just on set. (laughs) And that probably explains some of the more problematic in all capital letters and not in quote marks because it is just flat out problematic elements of that movie, like uh, the characters of Skids and Mudflap or uh, the fact that uh, there is a human transformer that is literally just sexually harassing Sam Witwicky the whole time. Mm hmm um yeah like we don't we don't need to talk about part two like pretty much all we need to talk about part two is that um megan fox was like the it girl of the time and she (laughs) came and uh she did not come back for this one and she's replaced by rosie huntington whitley who according to michael bay at least on the making of for this and a uh gq profile i read was really nice to the crew and would say hello to them and Based on a um, sounds like, like some simps on set. <laughs> I don't want to. I like. I don't want to tell tales out of school, but I've heard through a secondhand source that um, on the set of uh, Transformers Two, Michael or um, Megan Fox did not want people looking at her. So it sounds like she might have been a bit of a diva. 
<laughs> Although I did recently also have a friend bring up to me. I mean, can you blame her? Do you, I mean, can you imagine what it must be like for Megan Fox to just be stared at by a bunch of uh, horny guys? And so like, okay, I kind of understand it, but still sounds a little rude. And it sounds like Rosie Huntington Whitley was a delight to be around on set. Even if the God, hey, we can already get into the problematic elements of part three. The first shot of her in part three, which is essentially the first shot of the movie up to the prologue, is a close-up of her ass in lingerie walking up a flight of stairs. Jesus fucking Christ, this movie. <laughs> yeah, when I when I heard that, I was so fucking nervous. I was like, what? Because the third one is my least remembered. Um, and... When I saw that, I was like, oh my God, he's just like full on unapologetic at this point. Um, I, had, I had another friend who was theorizing like he was just so mad that Megan Fox left that he was trying to like hype this girl up to the audience. Like, no, no, she's just as she's just as hot as Megan Fox. And he's like trying to play that up. There's also that shot uh, a little later in the movie when she when she shows up to visit Sam at work and she gets out of that two hundred thousand dollar mercedes and she's like in that white dress and she's spreading her legs as she's climbing out of the mercedes like it is a fucking it's it is a fucking gq shot if anything like he was he is shameless in this movie i yeah but you know what i i i was gonna wait to tell you until we recorded i'll let you know now the third one actually became my favorite of the three um well so my favorite of the bunch would be the fifth one i think but the third is a close second the third one is strong and what i mean by that is is i won't actively seek this movie out for another 25 years (laughs) but if it was playing in the background at probably a bar somewhere because this is this movie's for for the boys um i wouldn't be mad it's a good background movie. Like you said, you're doing that now. The third yeah. one I will say is a good background movie. And also I really enjoyed for, for Michael Bay in the first two movies had such a problem with getting me hooked into these movies to start. But in this one, he gets me because he's CGI John F. Kennedy, LBJ. He's throwing conspiracy um, cutaways and like information and backlogging history of the U S government and transformers in the moon landing he's in he's like encompassing like actual history with this world he's created and it makes kind of sense and uh i kind of like that i think the opening to this movie is really fucking strong that shit is so fucking awesome and that'll be where that'll be a great place to start because um yeah, I uh, when I first saw the trailer, I saw the first trailer to this movie, which mm-hmm. was a teaser that pretty much just focused on the prologue, the 1960s stuff and the trip to the moon. And I was just like, wait a minute, we're getting an alternate history of the moon landing? That's fucking cool. <laughs> and that's I think that's part of why this and part five are now my favorites, because they deal with a lot of like they kind of toy around with history and have a little fun with it. And it's really fun when movies do that, I Mm -hmm. think. And yeah, when I first saw that, I was so pumped for this movie after um, originally, I can also talk about like my complicated relationship with it. Cause this one came out when I was in film school Uh and I was starting to pay. Oh, so you think you're better than me? 
no 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 back, <laughs> that, back then i might have but because i was a uh, i definitely went through a pretentious phase as everyone did and that uh, that kind of explains my complicated relationship with this movie because i did not like this one when it first came out mm. and now it's my favorite and on the offside, I actually really enjoyed the fourth one when it came out. And now that's like my second least favorite, as well as the second one, which I, 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 I'm going to be honest, I liked Revenge of the Fallen. Like I told people that I didn't like it, but I, every time that, every time I watched that movie or it came on TV, like I had a fucking blast watching. I saw that one twice in theaters willingly. Yeah. I think the thing that about Revenge of the Fallen I didn't really enjoy is one, I cannot stand John touch uh Turturro in the second one. Oh boy and i can't and i cannot stand how the movie is called revenge of the fallen which is the name of the enemy and he's there for five minutes he doesn't but revenge anything but and, he's voiced by tony todd and that alone makes him kind of awesome true true but you get leonard nimroy in the third one which i think is awesome and as a fan of kingdom hearts um i kept <laughs> I kept thinking of Leonard Nimroy's voice acting in video games for that, which I think is badass. Um, but yeah, I, I know he was in Star Trek, whatever. Um, but Revenge of the Falling, which I think, so people get don't get confused, Revenge of the Falling, the second one, I think got wrong that the third one gets right, is it goes too far back in history. It talks about like ancient history and the Egyptians in the second one, and it's in the desert, and it looks exactly the same sets of the first movie where they're in the Middle East. And it's all military stuff, and you still get robot balls jiggling everywhere. Um, <laughs> See, I would, a... dis- I would disagree there. Uh, that's actually one of my favorite elements of the second one, is oh. that it kind of has this national treasure-esque plot where they're, like, hunting down historical mm. clues. Like, it starts at the Smithsonian, and there's the fucking SR-71 turns out to be an old-ass Autobot or Decepticon-turned-Autobot with a cane, and a fucking beard it's like why does this robot have a beard it makes no sense but who cares it's fucking cool there's a lot of times in these movies where i just have to sit back and say who cares it's fucking cool and there were definitely several times i did that in the second one and god you see my enthusiasm just has me going from like just kind of rambling from one tangent to the next Mm -hmm. i got to get back to what i was originally saying that's one of the things i liked about the second one was the national treasureness of the plot how they're kind of hunting down these clues that are tied into history Mm -hmm. and that's another reason that i love the fifth one so much is that also that ties into uh, arthurian history and um, there's a lot of uh, kind of alternate history with that and sounds like it's a better story than green knights um arthurian take eh I mean, I'm, I think I'm going to like Green Knight, but will I like Green Knight as much as Transformers The Last Knight? I'm not going to lie. I'm not sure I will because I love Transformers The Last Knight. Mm-hmm. That's and, right. I want to get this pot stirring. The Last Knight or The Green Knight? I want to I see whose side's on who. Uh, yes. Email your answers to... Uh, the sequel pod holy shit i actually remember yeah sequel pod at gmail.com and also tell us what is your least favorite transformers movie and uh and uh, i don't want to we don't want to hear why because uh who gives a shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah i kind of like how at least michael bay brings back the same recurring actors like josh dumal is in this again um and tyrese gibson's in this one again and then fun fact this came out the same summer as fast five. 
Oh, is that a big deal? Uh, for me, it is because they're like two of my favorite action movies of the uh, 2010s. Oh, I haven't seen Fast Five. Fast. Five I haven't seen a is... Fast and Furious movie after Tokyo Drift, actually. Oh man, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shame you. I do love the franchise, but um, some good shit there. Huh. I still sleep pretty soundly at night. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you should. I'm. There are enough people fighting the Fast and Furious battle at this time. I feel like the army of defenders has grown on that one over the years that i will i'll just let it be you know what you're friends with daniel he'll he'll be the one to fight that battle oh yeah daniel and me he'll yeah (laughs) 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 um this movie i really wanted to bring these things up um because i don't want to just talk about this i want people to watch this but i had to ask you you? it seems to me like you want to prevent people from watching this one no 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 i i seriously do think this third one is the strongest of the first three and i really do mean that i did enjoy this movie but also i there are times i was like what the fuck is this movie and then i'm like what the fuck is that but then also like oh that's actually kind of cool and then i'm like huh that seems similar for things that eventually come out and things that have happened this movie feels like like a mix of the first and third terminator where it's like a portal to the to bringing things like so like the terminators in the future come back into the the present in this movie um celestial prime wants to bring things from the past and the future into our the, the world from um cybertron into the to planet earth it feels like it's transporting that kind of mentality of technology into the present time in that way, if that makes sense, because the war zone scenes in dark of the moon feel like the cutaway scenes that Terminator one and three had with its technology and the flying, um, uh, like, like air spaceships and, um, going through like, you know, instead of like a major, I mean, it's in Chicago, it's not in something like New York or anything, but it also feels like Avengers assemble where it's like in New York and the big city with all these aliens and different technology coming into it. Also fucking celestial primes sword is a double bladed Thanos sword that we saw in Endgame. I do want to correct you. You do keep saying Celestial Prime. It's a uh, Sentinel. Oh, Prime. Sentinel Prime. <laughs> Show some respect. Although I do, uh, I do love a good uh, misspeak. And Celestial Prime is a pretty cool name. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you're right. No, this definitely has like it. Definitely feels like the final battle in Avengers. But this came out the year before Avengers, mm-hmm. and I like this a whole lot more than Avengers. Hot take, people. All I'm saying is that the Russo brothers stole Sentinel Prime's blade for Thanos <laughs> because of this movie. In this movie, it's a 2011 movie, baby. You don't think we didn't forget? Every bad guy or every bad guy's creation is a fucking blue beam into the sky. And we get that in this movie too. And I feel just at home with it. You know, people <laughs> like, like people like criticize it. And I do criticize it too. Cause it's like, man, it's boring. But what the fuck else are you supposed to do? Fucking blue beam sky, that shit, you know, like I'm down for it. And I'm also, so I'm going to just say, I get, I'm going to get shit from my earlier comment. I'm going to sound like a Marvel hater. I just want you guys to know. I do thoroughly enjoy the Marvel movies. I I enjoy the first Avengers. I'm not trying to uh, stop clout chasing. I'm not trying to put it down just to build this up. I'm just stating my genuine feelings on the matter. I do enjoy this movie more than most Marvel movies. And uh, that that, that says certain things about me and I'll just have to live with those things being said about me. But yeah, I am a Marvel fan and uh, 
yep infinity war and end game uh fucking slap that's all i'll say well said but here's the the ant-man movies (laughs) here's the thing though that the mcu movies don't have going for it unlike this movie this movie is dark as shit like in its thematic themes oh god yes in in and i mean this movie has uh, like god you see like large-scale destruction in this like and it feels more graphic than it does in avengers or any Mm -hmm. marvel movie which is crazy because this is a kids toy line from the 80s and now we're getting the fucking end of the world in chicago and i'll just say movies that take place in chicago or or like have some sort of reference to like chicago i'm personally biased towards i like that thing and i've kind of felt like man like those those people are dying right now those like willis tower is falling on those people and i want to know what's hilarious chicago gets destroyed in this one and then in part four a little chunk of chicago gets destroyed again (laughs) and it's like the fourth one feels like a strangely angry movie in the franchise like with um that's one where the that's the one in the franchise outside of bumblebee where the military is not helping them during the climax they're Mm -hmm. all on their own uh, there's a covert military op uh, unit actually hunting them in the fourth one. You know who we, we, we were talking about how dark this movie is? Because, I mean, it feels like a huge, like, military operation in the third act. But it also is, like, the perils of, like, humanity dying. Like, this movie feels very important, like, in its third act and the climax. Like, shit goes down. Um, and also, I swear, in every fucking movie, Optimus Prime is, like he's this touted great guy but like archer and small soldiers he's kind of a chump like he he gets his ass handed to him unless someone else helps him in the first one shia shoves the the cube inside of megatron um in the second one he he you know like that one he's brave he tries to save shia um and just gets gang busted um by a bunch of decepticons and then in this one um sentinel prime just fucking you know snatches him like he just kicks his ass and then in all three movies as the each movie goes on megatron gets significantly weaker and less intimidating and physically and just as a character and i find that so interesting that i also like the third one the most when it's a kind of a culmination of all of that well that's like, kind of hilarious because um yeah megatron is just a uh He's basically serve in the first one. He's working on his own. In the mm-hmm. second and third, he's serving a master, Sentinel Prime. Yeah, well, he's in the Dark Mall shit. Prime. Yeah, exactly. In the second one, it's the Fallen. But what I love about this one, and it's the one thing that he gives Rosie Huntington Whitley to do, like even more so than Megan Fox. She's just eye candy, and she's a uh, like she serves Shia's story. She doesn't really have too much to do in the story, and. Uh, her one moment is where she emasculates Megatron by calling him <laughs> Sentinel's bitch. And she's the one that kind of motivates him to like get in on that final fight, which kind of gives Optimus the edge because he's uh, like, they're all trying to kill each other. Megatron's trying to kill Sentinel and Optimus. Optimus is trying to kill Sentinel and Megatron. And, uh, but he doesn't really last that long in that final battle before Optimus rips his head and his spine off. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about Optimus. Optimus is a violent sociopath, but uh, masquerading <laughs> as a hero. In the first, and he has come, he has transformed, quote unquote, 
uh, into this character over these three movies. Because in the first movie, he is very noble. And he's talking mm. about, um, I think it's Ironhide or someone who says to him in the first film, why are we trying to save the humans? They're a primitive and violent race. And Optimus is like, were we so different? And it's mm. this moment of reflection, like, oh, we were, we used to be a violent people, but we've kind of evolved. And now we have to help these people. We have to save these people and kind of show them the way. And then by the third film, Optimus is shooting Sentinel Prime in the back of the fucking head. Mm -hmm. He comes up uh, after we think that he's dead. He comes back before the climax and he's like, we will kill them all. He is angrier. He is more violent during that first film. And in Michael Bay's eyes, this is seen as character growth. <laughs> and I'm sure in a lot of Americans' eyes, it is seen as, in char as character growth. Like I said, these are very jingoistic, rah-rah, America, fuck yeah, conservative movies. And, uh, and he gets his honestly, ass handed to him most of the movies, too. He does. I mean, he, he quote-unquote dies in two of them. Mm -hmm. He dies in the second one. And is only brought back to life when uh, fucking Shia visits the, the robot gods. Jesus Christ. Remember the robot gods? From oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then in this one, we think that um, he doesn't really die. We're just made to think that he dies. But that's, um, that's uh, I think that's kind of the, uh, like the audience, when we're watching it the first time, we're supposed to think that he dies. And it's like, oh, they're doing this trick again. We just saw that last movie. I will say, in terms of rooting, I was rooting for Michael Bay um, near the end of this movie because of his filmmaking. Um, like I said, I'm not the most educated Bayer, but um, his filmmaking style got progressively better as each movie got by. Um, by the third one, I feel like it's a, it's pretty good. Like he's doing a lot of hero shots. He's doing slow-mos. He's doing a lot of grand scale shots in his movie. And there were jaw dropping scenes in this movie where I was like, how the fuck is he doing this on screen? This looks expensive. This looks crazy. Like um, when that one robot that digs under um, underneath the streets of Chicago and like, he just, springs everything up and like half the city right there he's so fucking awesome he's like I on love top it. of these things yeah and this building that's half you know half leaning and falling and like I'm, that's the i said that's one of the moments that got me like really wanting to watch the movie so why the fuck is this movie two hours and 45 minutes though oh <laughs> uh, god yeah I, is it that long sorry you cut out for a second there oh, no, i think good. um uh is I feel like this this one's only two and a half hours, which is still long. And I will admit, even on my favorites like this five and the first one, I do feel like the climaxes go way too long. Yeah, and when I think in the mindset that this is a, do you think when Michael Bay was making these movies or the money that was given to him for these movies, do you think at some point he was like, this is based off a toy line for kids? Will these movies be for the kids? I don't think Michael Bay gave a shit, honestly. Or I mean, well, I mean, in his defense, this is America. And I mean, <laughs> look at the fucking shit that kids are watching. Like kids are kids are watching violent movies all the time. I think with the first one, he was probably a little more aware, even though he's still like shooting Megan Fox, like really scantily clad, leaning over a car hood. 
and make like, the comments about how they want to breed with each other as the quote. Oh my, oh oh my God. man. The boy's pheromone levels suggest he wants to mate with the female. I'm sorry. That still makes me laugh. I, also, big crime is Shia LaBeouf leaves his buddy at the lake in that first movie to like pursue Megan Fox. Oh, my God. Fun fact about that scene, by the way. Uh, yeah, no, big crime. I agree. That friend got shafted. And that's probably a reason that we don't see him in the future movies, because he just uh, said, fuck you to Sam and went off to hang out with his other friends or just his big old dog that he's, he's probably like getting high with sam's parents who we progressively <laughs> see less and less but every time we see them they're more and more annoying but no what i was gonna bring up earlier is you brought up his friend uh, at the lake uh mm-hmm. so megan fox's boyfriend and this is a uh, this is a fun little uh fun little canon thing that uh I don't know if anyone is aware of. I don't know if the inside the sequel audience is aware of this. So I'm going to hit you with it. (laughs) The Transformers movies and the Platinum Dunes Friday the 13th take place in the same universe. Because Megan Fox's boyfriend (laughs) is named Trent, played by an actor named Travis Van Winkle, who later shows up in Friday the 13th as a character named Trent. The killer cut Friday the 13th. The killer cut. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard it referred to as that. But yes, the killer cut Friday the 13th, produced by Michael Bay. I'm pretty sure Michael Bay, like. That explains Mike- why there's so much boobs and teenage sex in that movie. He's probably getting off on it, eh? Michael Bay definitely uh, gets his mark there. <laughs> well, actually, no, that's the thing. I don't think. I think Michael Bay has never directed a movie with nudity. I say this, I think uh, Pain and Gain might have some nudity in its strip club sequences, but he mostly makes PG-13 movies that are like, they get as close to nudity without featuring nudity. And part of me thinks that Michael Bay is just like deeply terrified of nudity. He wants to get as close as possible without actually showing it because he doesn't know what to do if he sees it. Like deep down, Michael Bay is just a nerd like the rest of us. He's a nerd who just lives in a big mansion and has cars and dates supermodels, but I don't know if he's ever seen any of those supermodels naked. Oh, that's a that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I also read a um I read an when I was doing my research today, I read an article saying like Scarlett Johansson in the island actually wanted to appear naked in a love scene and Michael Bay was shocked and horrified. Further proof that he just hates nudity. What a fucking white knight. <laughs> Overt my eyes, my lady. Exactly. By the way, The Island, if anyone out there hasn't seen it, uh, awesome movie. Matt B. trashed it on one of the podcasts I appeared on with him. I still haven't forgiven him for that. But that seems to be one of the more like, I guess, it's it's not a Bay movie that a lot of people have seen. It was kind of a bomb, but that seems to be one when people watch it, they end up liking it. So if you haven't seen the island people seek that one out if you're if you're looking for a movie to watch based on this podcast before transformers dark of the moon you might want to watch the island uh but yeah let let's wrap up dark of the moon i i i really like this one um from the three it was worth getting through revenge of the fallen for this um so i'm happy hell yeah i'm happy mark that you 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 wanted to talk about this one and challenged me to get through the first three at least um 
I had to take multiple showers. I had to go through a detox <laughs> session um, and just like watch great cinema in in recovery to get back to where I usually am with the state of watching movies um, after watching Revenge of the Fall. That's like my least favorite. That one is the... Um, that's most people's least favorite. Like that's, I mean, that's one that kind of turned a lot of people off the franchise. Even people that like the first one, they're like, after they watch Revenge of the Fallen, they're just like, never again. Oh. Michael Bay, I love you, homie. There you go. And just like that, we have Mark Warner on his first episode, gatekeeping Michael Bay. And I'm going to do some gatekeeping. If anyone ever, like the Transformers movies are so fucking reviled that, yeah, whenever people come around to love them again, I might do some mild gatekeeping just because it's like, I remember what you said about these movies and I'm not going to let you off the hook that easily. That's only some people. Other people come around to love, please people, come around on the Transformers movies. They need your love. Oh my goodness. Sequel to part five. No, we I don't. mean, if you, if you don't like those, there's always Bumblebee for you, which seems to be the one that everyone likes. I like Bumblebee, but I mean, I come to these things for the Bayhem, so. The Bayhem. <laughs> I, uh, Bumblebee doesn't deliver on that front, but I will say Bumblebee is better than, uh, I'd put Bumblebee in the middle of the franchise. Like, hey, for anyone who cares about my Transformers ranking, here it is. Five, three, one, Bumblebee, four, and two. Yeah, two is a... There's not a single movie of those I dislike, but I do have a lot of problems with the four and two. Actually menace right now. Jeez, Louise. I would um, say like Bumblebee is solid. And in my eyes, the first th- there, uh, th- uh, one, three, and five are fucking great. Those odd numbered ones are, uh, they're going to be, they, they're, they're classics in the Warner household. I'm literally on my fire. Of one. I'm on fire right now with these fucking hot takes. Like this doesn't oh usually God. happen to me. I'm I am a hot the amount of blasphemy machine. on this episode today is like has left me scarred and deformed. It's okay. I bought <laughs> I bought Marriage Story recently, so I'm allowed to have these hot takes. Oh yeah, dude. I, I went to comfort see, movie. I went to see Zola in the theater. So I've gotten my like true cinephile cred done for the month. I'm allowed to just bask in my hot takes. Oh yeah. I, I'm not aware of that movie at all. I'll, I'll, uh, either way. I would, I would say lucky. Cause that's how I felt when I saw the trailer. You, I mean, With you know Harry what? Dean Stanton. Yeah. Let me just say it's an A24 movie. So you probably don't want to know anything about I it. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I just, and I think it's A24 for like the real fans i i don't know Oh my i'll you know what i'll give you some mild a24 shit talk on this podcast (laughs) while you've got me i threw down the 45 dollars for their midsummer director's cut because i love that movie and even though i prefer the theatrical i i want to own both and i was curious to read this martin scorsese introduction anyway the case is really nice so um good for them on that the disc has no bonus features, doesn't even have a menu. It has a tiny little menu where it's like, would you like to watch this with English subtitles? And that's all they give you. And the Martin Scorsese introduction is like, I for, it's either a page or two, like really, really short paragraphs. He doesn't say much. My friends joked that it's like Martin Scorsese just wanted to use A24's bathroom and they like, held him hostage by getting him to write an introduction for this 
it's really it's really pointless you buy that director's cut that's fucking fatherless activity right there you're never gonna bear children because i believe me i like (laughs) i like the bot i like the case so i'm happy i own it i've got it displayed with all my little collectible items but i do feel like i was cheated a24 and uh (laughs) i will not be buying any more dvds or blu-rays you put out because you don't fucking know how to do it yeah, they're just going to like Criterion eventually just do yeah, it. Yeah, outsource all your collector's editions, A24, please. Oh, my God. Yeah. Criterion's probably going to put out Midsummer, and I'll have to like quadruple dip on that fucking movie. Almost puked thinking about how that could be a thing. <laughs> uh, but Mark Water, my guy, thank you so much for hey. coming on here, putting your heart on your sleeve, and, um, you know, outdoing what I usually do on this podcast, dare I say. Um, with your opinions and takes. I really appreciated the energy on this one. (laughs) Thanks for having me, man. I had a fucking blast. Uh, Thanks for letting me just... I feel like I did a lot of rambling on this one. For Thanks for letting me ramble for uh, almost... uh, The span of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, almost the span of the movie. We are close to the runtime of the movie, and I feel like I've taken up way too much of your time. No, uh, never. I'm happy that people want to actually be on this podcast. So, and you're, right. and you've earned your ticket for another one. And this time I'm going to cook up a sequel that you'll have to go through two more movies to get to the one we want to talk about. <laughs> oh boy. Can't you just bring me on to talk about like a crowd pleaser, like Dr. Sleep or something that everyone likes. <laughs> um, if that I want to like, even... stay in like I want to stay I, I, I don't want to like completely burn bridges with people by just coming on to talk about the crazy movies although um, that is kind of fun so I wouldn't mind that <laughs> yeah you'll be on probably for this one along with um, oh god I, I, I can't even cook up something right now because I'm still processing all we talked about tonight we'll get you back you're gonna bring me on for the fucking before movies aren't you because i haven't seen those (laughs) you'll probably be on here with uh me and nathan jones and daniel and mitch and we're all gonna be talking about suspiria from 2018 or something uh (laughs) i'd be all right with that i have a uh, i have a mondo print for that movie and we all have to take shots every single time someone says they like the movie and I'll be drunk twenty like ten minutes into it. So well, I'll come up with a I'll come up with a way around that. Like this uh, movie's cool, baby. Or I like Dakota Johnson in this movie. Yeah. Or uh, I thought Tilda Swinton looked hotter as the old guy than just Tilda Swinton or something. I'll agree just like that. <laughs> oh um, my god. Yeah, but Mark, um, you know, if anyone wants to check out your crazy opinions, and you were on the Film Feast um, recently and on another podcast, where can people find you, man? I mean, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, the shape fourteen. That's at capital T H E underscore capital S H A P E fourteen. Uh, you could find me on Letterbox. Just my name, Mark Warner. I forget what my username is there. Both places, yeah. J- as Chris said, just look for the Hubie Halloween photo. Um, I've got a fr- a brand spanking new four and a half star review of Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Good God! And I've probably got more hot takes to follow that. Um, you fucking villain! You can hear me on uh, yeah, you can hear me on a recent episode of Film Feast talking about the Suicide Squad. Um, other episodes of Film Feast, Schlock and Awe. I'm gonna be on uh, another episode of Schlock and Awe that we're actually recording this Sunday. I don't know when it'll be out, but uh. It's a pretty 
interesting double feature. I can't believe the shit that Lindsay lets me come on to talk about. God bless her for it. I do love the schlock and all as a veteran of be guesting on that podcast. Oh God. The Rugrats episode. What did you double Rugrats with again? Aristocats and it's cinema at its finest. That that was a great episode. Appreciate that. I do better with my guests than my own on than on my own show. It's weird. I can't explain it. I think it's because I have more respect for other people's show than this one. But uh, I do appreciate you being on here, Mark, for your first episode and talking about this movie. Um, for those who are tuning in, um, if you missed last week's episode, we had Carmelita Valdez. Where we talked about Return to Oz. Great episode. Um, and I hope everyone is excited to wrap up this month um, when we have Doug McCambridge on from good times, great movies to talk about Caddyshack too. Um, that'll drop. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt your outro, but that was just a genuinely shocked reaction, even though I saw your lineup for the month. So I should have already known that was coming. I'm shook. I'm, I'm, I'm so scared how, how that one's going to go. <laughs> um, but I am also excited though. So yeah, Mark, thank you so much for going for coming on here, man, and, and giving us your time. Um, and I want to thank you everyone for listening. And I want to leave everyone with this. If you aren't watching, re-watching these Transformer movies um, in the 2020s, then do you really care about cinema? Anyway, we'll see you next time.